Well, Carlita and I, of course, were online with each other before 10 o'clock Pacific time. And uh, uh, I don't uh, watch TV and I don't watch news, but I uh, checked my emails this morning and they, because I just did. And I get a list of um, uh, uh, from the New York Times of breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. And without going uh, over particularly one one particular news or another, I thought to myself, I don't know what to say today. You know, I spent the whole better part of the last few days thinking, I don't know what to say. Uh, I can't remember. I can remember various times when you just throw up your hands and say, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, and uh, what can I do? And... Uh, but mostly that's what I spent uh, yesterday thinking about and the day before thinking about. So I realized I can't do anything except somebody wrote to me this morning, wrote me an email and say, you know, that, there's nothing I can do except um, just try to be kind to myself and everybody else that I meet. And that's really what it comes down to. May all beings be peaceful and happy and come to the end of suffering. And I actually spent the last several days thinking about what is there left to say, you know? And you can talk Dharma until you're, as the old expression goes, blue in the face. But it doesn't look like the world is going to choose love, or it looks like love is in jeopardy at this point, or like love is getting overwhelmed. So what I've done actually for the last few days, I'm glad, by the way, that you're joining and that you waited. Thank you very much for waiting. It was, uh, um, it's nobody's fault. It really is nobody's fault. Nothing is anybody's fault. Everything is the result of everything else that ever happened. So this is just what happened in this world today. But I see that a lot of us are here. And I can't think of a better place that I would like to be this morning. I thought to myself, what well, I have piles of things that I had... Uh, accumulated in the last several days, said, what will I say? What, can, what is possibly left to say other than may all beings be peaceful and happy and come to the end of suffering? And what can I do towards that end? Somebody said this morning to me, you know, there's nothing left to do. Uh, we can't vote for another year, really. But we could. the, the gist of what everybody has been writing is may I be kind to myself, really, and everybody else that I meet. One particular moment of kindness in the world, maybe we hold each other up in a, in some kind of a web of kindness. May it be so, may it be so. And I spent the last several days actually thinking about what is there left to say? I also thought about... Well, I see that people are still arriving. I'm very happy. Uh, I feel like we should just look at each other a little bit. Let's look at each other a little bit. Let's. Uh, Heidi likes to do arriving meditation. And now today we really arrived with a little bit of hiccuping here and there, but we made it. So we're all in the same place that we were 15 minutes ago, so it's fine. Let's. Uh, I'll be quiet for a minute, and I'll see when it looks like everybody has arrived at least with their physical body and their uh, 
and their computer. I see a lot of people, or a fair number of people, who I don't know. Why don't you, um, why don't you, what should we do? Have you press and raise your hand, raise your hand electronically if this is the first time that we're meeting. This is a good way to start. First of all, welcome. Oh, really welcome. So Carlita did not get her normal time to say you are welcome, whoever you are and wherever you are. If you don't mind, Anne, just tell me where you are, and I'm glad you're here. And Yeah, hi. Morning, yeah. everyone. Um, I'm actually um, not far away. I'm in San Rafael, California. Well, I'm glad you're here. What? Thank you. How did, and you've never, we've never met before. We haven't. I've been studying with um, Mark Coleman, with the Awake in the Wild group. Yes. So. Mark is a good friend of mine. I met him yesterday uh, just by, uh, not by accident, nothing is by accident. Uh, I, I was having lunch with a friend that I hadn't seen in a long time in the Rustic Bakery in Larksville Landing. Yeah. And, and I think that the Rustic Bakery in the Larksville Landing is the uh, hub of the Western world. It's <laughs> true. I'm glad that you're here. Thanks. Valerie, where are you? Good morning. I'm in Portland, Oregon. And um, I... Uh, I have never been to anything that you've done before, but you captured my attention with some lines in the hidden lamp, and I've always wanted uh, to see you since then. Oh, you're very, you're very welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Where is uh, Susan? Where are you, Susan? I see you, but where in the world are you? Oh, there's a Susan and a Susanna. So anyway, Susan. Uh, Seattle, Washington. Oh, Seattle. Well, welcome. I'm very glad yes. that you're here. Thank and you. I'm glad to be here. Kathleen. Hi. I've been to a number of your um, uh, Dharma talks and meditations, but my friend over here, Lana. Go ahead. Hi. My name's Lana. I'm from Haverty Grace, Maryland, and I'm visiting Kathy. Okay. And where is Kathy in the world? I'm, I've oh, oh, we're in San Rafael. You're in San Rafael, you're just over the hill. Exactly. Welcome. Welcome. Over the hill has a bad sound. <laughs> <laughs> right. Geographically, uh, Nia. Hello, Nia. Hi. Where in the world are you? I'm in Palo Alto. I'm in the library, actually, because our roof is being redone after all the rains last year. Uh -huh. So it's very, very noisy <laughs> in our house. Yes, yes. <laughs> Can you yeah. be in the library in a or you anyway? You I am. I'm taking advantage of my teen daughter who's in the corner, and so she has me in the teen section because nobody's here yet while she does her work. <laughs> okay. Lindsay, hello. Hello. Um, I'm in the Catskills in upstate New York. Oh, a bunch of my friends are. What's the name of your town? Um, right now, I'm staying in Crumville with Kay, <laughs> <laughs> not too far from Woodstock. Okay, I know where that is. And Heidi, where are you? I'm in Oakland, California. Okay, you're over the bridge. Right. From me. Welcome. Thank and Rebecca. Hi. 
I'm not in the mountains, unfortunately. I'm in Ohio. <laughs> well, welcome. Thank you. Susanna. Hi, I'm in, in Helsinki in Finland. Wow. <laughs> uh, when my husband and I, many years ago, lived in France, we part. We were amateur. Bi- bi- we were bikers, uh, pedal bikers, and uh, we did uh, races. Uh, and uh, uh, we always won from the person who had come the longest way to have done the race because we had always we were in France and that we come. But you are really very far away, so I'm very happy that you've joined. <laughs> and uh, Sandy. Hi, good morning. I'm coming from Los Angeles, California. Well, I'm glad that you're all here. I'm glad that we're all here, really. Let's just take a minute, or metaphorically speaking, a minute, just to look at each other quietly. Really, there's nothing to say, but may all beings be peaceful and happy and come to the end of suffering. What just popped up in my mind was um, one of the things that um, Thich Nhat Hanh, the late, wonderful Vietnamese Dharma teacher, Zen teacher, said was that the next Buddha was going to be the Sangha. And it's always a feeling I have when we come together. We have a group of people that we maybe never met before or uh, we live on the other side of the world from. But uh, showing up here is an automatic um, an automatic sifting device. You know that everybody here, like yourself, has a sense that uh, the only thing that makes sense is kindness. That um, I don't. I really, in the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking hatred is never ended by hatred. By love alone is hatred ended. This is the eternal law, which is a saying from the Dhammapada. The same. and you know, I think it more than ever as as. Um, as I was thinking about what I would say this morning, and I think I'm speechless, actually. I spent a lot of time this week preparing. I have mountains of papers here of things that I went through and was going to read this and say that and lead a discussion. But I got up this morning, and um, I, I guess that one of I, I don't check my email usually. Before we, and I don't listen to the news. I don't listen to the news and I don't watch it on 
TV either, because I think that that probably really isn't good for anybody to see images of terrible things happening to other people. I don't think it's at all good for the nervous system. But I need to know what day it is and when we're meeting. And in my um, in my email this morning, um, the, the texts that came were two headlines from the New York Times, which I won't read to you because they're they're completely demoralizing about. Anyway, they're completely demoralizing. I don't. I can. That's enough. And I thought, you know, I have this whole pile of things that I was going to talk about today. And I get left speechless because what is there left to say? Hatred is never ended by hatred. Um, but I have this pile of things that I was going to put together in some very well-crafted Dharma lecture. And I ended up thinking, you know, I'll just keep the stuff here and I'll meet folks at 10 o'clock in the morning and I'll say, how are you? And I won't ask you to say, how are you? But you know what? I'd love for you to put in the chat right now. This is the same as saying to people, how are you? Put in the chat one or two or three words. I'm going to turn on my chat so I can read now. Put in the chat. One word or two words or three words of how do you feel? Unsettled. Anxious. Great, grateful, sad, shocked, hopeful, emotionally depleted, devastated, scared, heartbroken, worried. Lucky, happy. Grieving, helpless, needing metta practice, open-hearted because of a previous session for honoring our ancestors for these holy days, disillusioned, dysregulated. Probably, if you grateful to be here, glad to be with everybody in a holding pattern, goofy, sad. I imagine if happy to flow with my personal rhythm. I imagine that if you haven't nervous, that we probably could all of us say all of the above. All of the above. A little, you know, on the edge, deeply concerned. All of the above. Aghast. So let's just look at each other again. 
I thought what I would do this morning is I would take all these piles of well-crafted, I thought, Dharma things, and I would just tell you one and then another and then another, and we'll have some time to sit. What I think most, now I'm going to turn off my chat because I want to look at you in the chat distracts me from that. So let's do this. This is what I had in mind. Oh, you know what? I had in mind to honor my friend, um, Jack Engler, who was a Dharma teacher and a psychologist in uh, the Boston area and taught at uh, um, the Insight Meditation Society a lot. He's a very uh, uh, esteemed uh, psychotherapist. And he died um, a few months ago. And uh, his widow sent me a package this week that included the, um, the program from Jack's um, memorial service, celebration of his life that happened a few months ago when Jack died. And uh, they had a uh, a celebration of his life at uh, the Barry Center for Buddhist Studies where he taught. And uh, in this particular, in, in the program, there are two um, quotes from T.S. Eliot. One of them, is what we call the beginning is often the end. And to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from. And another one that you probably have heard if you've been at all going to meditation retreats <laughs> in the in the uh, mindfulness tradition for all of my friends one time or another. Quote again from T.S. Eliot. We shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we first started and know the place for the first time. That's um, from T.S. Eliot Quartet. And that's what actually was going to be the theme of what I talked about today, that... Um, that real insight, real knowledge, real wisdom was based on everything that happens if we're paying attention is the beginning of something and the end of something and uh, the sum of everything that's ever happened. Um, that equanimity depends on, equanimity in the mind really depends on having enough balance to know that what's ever happening now is not happening because of yesterday. It's happening because of everything that ever happened in this whole world. And I am, um, I am the result that to say I'm, here, I'll try that again. Uh, the equanimity meditation, that's the uh, formal practice meditation for the mind state of equanimity, is 
everyone, every individual is heir to their own karma. Their happiness or unhappiness depends on their acts, not on my wishes for them. It took me years to have a sense. I now get that. When I first heard it, it sounded like, um, well, it didn't sound good. It sounded like something callous, like, um, you know, the, you, you got what you deserved or whatever. But it doesn't mean that. It means that no one deserves anything. They are the result of everything since creation. I am who I am because of all my genes and my upbringing and my uh, parenting and the fact that I was born in New York and not in um, Poland in 1936. Everything depends on everything, which depends on everything all the way back. It's really a profound teaching of karma, which is not, it's a payback for some one thing that you did in another life. But we are, each of us, our unique manifestation of everything since the beginning of time and everything that happened to us or that happened to the whole world. And it curiously, it seems like it's a very dispassionate point of view, like, you know, that no one is responsible. But actually, I find it, well, we can talk about it. I find it freeing. Like, I, maybe I'll, I'll remind everybody who knows me well, says, uh, did say, uh, as the enduring story that I tell her about her, Gwen, Gwen said, I never say in response to how are you, Gwen, I never say I'm fine. I always say I couldn't be better because I couldn't be. Nobody can be. And I think profoundly there are no enemies and no villains. They're just, this is just um, life unfolding and everyone manifesting in the only way they can, given what's ever, ever happened. And it leaves us, well, there's nothing I can do. The only thing I can do, which is the gist of all the emails I got this morning, is um, we can be kind. We can be kind to ourselves and everybody we meet. So in this whole pained world, we don't add any fuel to the fire of enmity, fuel to the fire of enmity. But what I was going to do is I was going to read some, I, I was going to honor my friend Jack. I am going to honor my friend Jack. Uh, because in this, in the, in the package that I got from, um, Renee, his widow, there's a, the program of his, um, funeral, his memorial service. And there are a few things that Jack wrote. And I wanted to read one of them to you. Because it's guidelines for loving kindness meditation. And I think we should really do that together right now. Seems like the only thing to do right now. And um, and it honors Jack. Because this is his, this was, this was, um, something that he had written and 
It's called Guidelines for a Loving-Kindness Meditation. So let's be doing that together. It says this should take five or ten minutes, which seems right to me. Sit in a comfortable position, reasonably upright and relaxed, on a cushion, in a chair. Close your eyes. Take a few full breaths to settle into your body and come into the present moment. Put both hands over your heart for a few moments as a reminder to be kind to yourself. Feel the soothing rhythm of your chest moving beneath your hands. Now bring your attention. Well, let that go. Put your hands over your heart. As a reminder to be kind to yourself. And really feel the soothing rhythm of your chest moving beneath your hands. Now bring your attention inside your body where you feel your breathing most easily, coming and going at the nostrils or the rising and falling of the chest or the rising and falling of the abdomen. Stay with whichever moment, movement is clearest to you and just follow the breath there for a minute or two. When your attention wanders, and it will, gently bring your attention back to the breath and feel its movement once again. Do this without any self-judgment about your attention wandering. Start to notice areas of stress that you may be holding in your body, perhaps in your neck, jaw, belly, your shoulders, or your abdomen.
you may start to notice that you're also holding some difficult and troublesome emotions or thoughts. Don't push them away. Just acknowledge them and let them go. Your body and mind need your kindness and compassion because of all they've got or have gone through are still going through. You can offer this kindness and compassion by using these phrases. Repeat them to yourself slowly, softly, gently. For five minutes, so we will. At the end of this, these phrases, sit for five minutes more. Jack concludes by saying it may help to direct the phrases to an image of yourself in your mind. This may help to make it more real. The important thing is not the words but the feeling and the intention they express. Let yourself feel each one as you repeat it. May I be happy. May I be peaceful. May I be safe and free from harm. May, they, may I be kind to myself. May I accept myself as I am. I'll say them again for you. I'll tell you that at the end of this instruction from Jack, it says, you can use these phrases at any time during the day or evening, particularly helpful during times of distress. You can also go to them directly without any preliminaries, wherever you are, at any time. So here are the phrases that Jack is suggesting. You can do any of them, all of them, some of them. 
May I be happy? May I be peaceful? May I be safe and free from harm? May I be kind to myself? May I accept myself as I am? You can say all of those phrases. You can pick the phrase that most resonates with you. The phrase is not important. What's important is the kindness and compassion to yourself and to everyone else through you as you make yourself the conduit of kindness and compassion. I'll repeat the phrases one more time and then we'll sit quietly. May I be happy. May I be peaceful. May I be safe and free from harm. May I be kind to myself. May I accept myself as I am. And you continue with those phrases, all of them, any of them. We'll sit together quietly for five minutes.
while we're sitting, having sat now for five minutes, while we're sitting and before we open our eyes and look at each other, if you closed your eyes, I'll say those five phrases again. May I be happy. May I be peaceful. May I be safe and free from harm. May I be kind to myself. May I accept myself as I am. And then when you want to, open your eyes. On another day, I would have said at this point, how do you feel? How, what about that meditation? What about how, what was different about it? What was not different about it? I really, I'm not inclined to do that today because I'd rather tell you the things that I put together. We'll talk about things in a little while. But for a while, I'd like... I'd like not to have so much of my opinion or anybody else's opinion and just say things that I really take a lot of comfort in, filling the mind with comforting things. I remember that on the morning, the attack on the Twin Towers in 9-11 was a Tuesday. And on Wednesday, we met as a class. It was... and. The bombing of the um, federal building in Oklahoma City happened either on the day before, on Tuesday, but I think on Wednesday morning, uh, the federal building in Oklahoma City got blown up as we were arriving in class, I think. And... Um, Our intervention in what came to be called as the Gulf War happened on a Monday, uh, on a Monday night that I was teaching um, 
uh, as a substitute for my friend Jack Cornfield. And I remember in, in each uh, in each of those things, I, at each of those times, I thought to myself, "What can I possibly say? What is there left to say?" It's you know, it's speechless what human beings do to each other. I thought all we can do is um, what we did the day after the nine uh, eleven is people did talk about how they feel felt but we also chanted refuges and precepts together I undertake the vow to abstain from harming living beings I undertake the vow to abstain from taking that which is not freely given to me I undertake the vow to abstain from speech that is exploitive or abusive. I undertake the vow to abstain from using my body in a way that's exploitive or abusive. And I undertake the vow to keep my mind clear so that I can fulfill all these other vows. And we recited that together. And I remember that in that case, in the 9-11 case the instance, it didn't make anything better in terms of it couldn't bring back the event, it couldn't do the day over. It didn't make people feel any better about what had happened, and certainly not people who were connected in a personal way to anyone who was harmed. But there was a certain comfort in saying, the, I, I am in a room. This morning we're in a digital room, but we're really in each other's homes this morning, saying I am the kind of person who abhors violence and negativity and harmful behavior. and Even abhor is a bad word because it means I make it wrong and me right. I am a person who feels ultimately speechless in the recognition of how confused people can be and the terrible things they can do. I read this to you um, a few weeks ago. And... Um, Carlita reassured me that uh, I had, but today it's on the uh, it's on the site. Well, how will people see that, Carlita? It's on. I am happy to add the link here in the chat, but when we post the recording to Dharma Seed, I can post a link there as well. Okay. This is Mimesis by Fadi Judah. My daughter wouldn't hurt a spider that had nested between her bicycle handles. For two weeks, she waited until it left of its own accord. If you tear down the web, I said, it will simply know this isn't a place to call home, and you'd get to go biking. She said, that's how others become refugees, isn't it?
My daughter wouldn't hurt a spider that had nested between her bicycle handles. For two weeks, she waited until it left of its own accord. If you tear down the web, I said, it will simply know this isn't the place to call home and you'd get to go biking. She said, that's how others become refugees, isn't it? It's very interesting to me this morning when I was talking to Carlita and I said, let's let's put that in a chat or in the in the resource for today or somewhere and i kept uh, referring to fadi judah as she is um, a palestinian american uh, maybe because um i don't know why but then i thought how come i did that because she looked up fadi judah do you want to tell carlita who is Fadi Judah? I'd be happy to. So we discovered that Fadi Judah is a man. He was born in Austin, Texas. And in addition to being a poet, he is a practicing physician currently residing in Houston, Texas. And I thought, why did I assume that Fadi Judah was a woman? Maybe because the other Palestinian-American poet that I often quote is um, uh, Naomi Shihab Nye, who is a woman and who wrote the really wonderful poem on kindness. I'm sure that uh, Carlita, Carlita will put that in the chat as well. And I've been quoting her for so many years. At the same time that I have, uh, and I erroneously, um, I'm, I'm not going to even say, how do you feel when you hear that bicycle poem? I've, I've read it every chance I had to read it in the last several weeks because it, it just, it says everything in that, in pr probably less than 30 words, certainly less than 50 words. And everybody feels variations of, ah, oh, you know, that is so tender. That particular spider left when, of its own accord. Um, and I automatically thought that Fadi Judah was a woman, which was, turns out to be not true. And, and I think, well, a couple of years ago, I, um, amended the Metta Sutta, the Buddhist teaching on impartial kindness, which in its in the form that I learned it 40 years ago, uh, well, I don't even have to tell you what was in that form. I'll tell you what it says in the current form, because I took out the words that I thought presumed. Well, I'll read it to you. This is a Buddhist teaching on loving kindness. On impartial kindness. I love that, impartial kindness. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be straightforward and gentle, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, 
unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety. May all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a parent protects with their life their child, their only child, just so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, free from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, free of addiction to sense desires, is not born again into this world. You know, if you're fairly new to the tradition, um, you may not know which words I took out, but I took them out, and no one, I don't think, thinks about it anymore. Um, it's close enough. The message is the same. And even now, as I read it to you, what I used to do, maybe we'll do it today as well, because I've been thinking that I want to be very careful that, about not adding um, not adding stress to our two hours together, because we're all stressed. So I really don't want to say, what do you think about what's going on in the world? It's horrible what's going on in the world. Not just in the Middle East, but here and there and in Ukraine. And um, I don't watch the news, but I do open my computer. When I opened my computer early this morning, I read two headlines that were appalling. And I turn them off. I mean, I don't, I didn't read them all the way through. I just turned them off and I thought, I can't teach because I'm speechless. But then I thought I can because the only thing that's left to say is may all beings be peaceful and happy and come to the end of suffering. And may I be free of enmity and danger. We could talk a little bit. Maybe I will talk a little bit. Now I want to talk a little bit about um, about having a heart that is um, resolutely 
uh, here's how I would do it. Resolutely um, linked to uh, wishing well for all beings. I'm going to do it alongside of saying, of talking about um, the point, the whole point of this whole thing, the point of the whole enterprise of practicing mindfulness. For me, when I was introduced to mindfulness almost 50 years ago, more than 45, almost 50 years ago, I didn't. I really didn't have a clear understanding of why I was going to this. I went to lots of introductions, to lots of meditations, and it was the psychedelic 1970s, and it was very hip to go to meditation retreats. And I didn't have it, and it was just. It was like an outward bound. It was what everybody was doing. It was it. Uh, I, all of my friends were very proud. I can't believe that you went. And sat quietly for two weeks. One of my friends said, wasn't it at all interested in what I practiced or what was the point? I was really interested that I went to a place where I didn't talk for two weeks. Uh, you know, what, what? And I was there really with no clear idea. And then after some amount of time, I really got the idea when I I... I met people who were not addicted to worrying in the same way that I was. And then I realized that my wish, oh, I wish I could be like this person or that person who didn't have that um, um, particular glitch of mind that when it gets confused, it uh, imagines the worst. Some people, they get confused, they get mad. Some people, they get confused, they... Um, they have a drink or they do something soothing to their body. There are different ways that people uh, respond to trying to soothe their mind. But when I thought of my mind state of um, uh, fretting and becoming alarmed, I I thought, oh, you know, I, I have to fix my mind so it doesn't fret or get alarmed. And here it is 45 years later and frets arise but I don't believe them, and so I'm not as held hostage with it. I say to myself, look at my mind, it's playing its same, it's playing its same tune. I tell people, you know, round cookie cutters do not become square cutter cookies, do not make square cookies. However much you might like to have square cookies, they still cut out round cookies. My mind imagines the worst, and that what it does now is it says, look at that. You've just imagined the worst, and you don't really know. So I have a step between it. It didn't erase my mind. You can't have a mindectomy and get a whole new mind or a mind transplant. I was hoping for that. So that's what I wanted. And then I began to notice that the more I did the practices of sitting and paying attention or walking and paying attention or uh, uh, including paying attention especially to mind states that cause distress in my mind, that I discovered that when I realized that I had done something incorrect or hurt somebody's feelings, I realized I needed to uh, make amends for it. And over the years, I began to realize, and I began to really behave as if uh, I understood that anything that I did might cause pain, 
I became more careful about what I said to people. I tell people all the time, I've told it over much, the story of uh, my husband saying, you've been practicing for this practice for 20 or 30 years. Have you changed so? And getting over being annoyed at him because I figured for sure he'd know, you know. I said, well, uh, I became kind. And he said, nah. He said, you were always kind. I said, well, the truth is I became kinder. And that is actually true. And I watched it happening over all the years. And then I watched it correct itself as more years went by because I had a little bit more time in between having the thought, a negative thought about somebody and going into a mind rant about it. I had a little bit more time to say, wait a minute, do you want to go there? No, let's not do that. You know, let's not do that. Let's let's just not. I thought, well, maybe I could make my mind kinder. So I've been thinking, make my mind kinder. And I think in recent days, that means decades, in the last decade, particularly um, when the pandemic was over, during the three years of the pandemic, we were all um, quarantined and we stayed at home. And um, it was like a retreat. didn't get to go out. During that time, my husband of 66 years, was diagnosed with cancer and he died during those three years. So I had the pandemic happening and my attention very much uh, focused on my husband and his care at home. And then he died um, two and a half years ago. And people said, um, I asked people, what did you learn during the pandemic? And people ask me, what did you learn? And what I learned during that time is that I could really see how my mind over the course of 45 years had become kinder. That uh, when faced with, here something happens and my mind suddenly startles and I'm about to say or do or vent or something, I see that there's not only other possibilities for I could of ways I could respond but there are other reasons behind. I did not have to perceive what was happening as being what was happening to me by what this inconsiderate person, whatever it was, that the first noble truth, life comes with pain and suffering, became much more clear to me. Not my life comes with pain and suffering. Everyone's life comes with pain and suffering. And I really became kinder. Because I also saw when when anger or irritation arose in me, I could see other possibilities that other than you know responding, but that would really make it understandable, and that I could instead of responding with enmity. So one of the things that I also parenthetically when I had my mind. It all settled in a well-written-out Dharma talk. I was going to say, there was a particular poem by Thich Nhat Hanh that I had heard early on and uh, that I uh, 
had trouble with for years and years because I loved him. And the few occasions that I saw him in person, I was very moved by him. But I didn't get this poem really. And everybody said, you know, everybody loved it. And the other day I thought, I get this. So I'll read you the poem. It's called, Please Call Me By My True Names. Even today, don't say that I will depart tomorrow. Even today, I am still arriving. Look deeply. Every second, I am arriving to be a bud on a spring branch, to be a tiny bird with still fragile wings, learning to sing in my new nest, to be a caterpillar in the heart of a flower, to be a jewel hiding itself in a stone. I still arrive in order to laugh and to cry, to fear and to hope. The rhythm of my heart is birth and death of all that is alive. I am a mayfly metamorphosing on the surface of the river, and I am a bird that swoops down to swallow the mayfly. I am a frog swimming happily in the clear waters of a pond, and I am the grass snake that silently feeds itself on the frog. I am a child in Uganda, all skin and bones, my legs as thin as bamboo sticks, and I am the arms merchant selling deadly weapons to Uganda. I am the 12-year-old girl, refugee. I'm a 12-year-old girl, refugee on a small boat who throws herself into the ocean after being raped by a, by a sea pirate. And I am also the pirate, my heart not yet capable of seeing and loving. I am a member of the Politburo with plenty of power in my hands. And I am the man who has to pay his debt of blood to my people dying slowly in a forced labor camp. My joy is like spring, so warm it makes flowers bloom all over the earth. My pain is like a river of tears, so vast it fills the four oceans. Please call me by my true names so I can hear all my cries and laughter at once, so I can see that my pain and joy are one. Please call me by my true names so I can wake up and the door of my heart could be left open the door of compassion. I seriously think it took me 40 years since I heard that poem to actually get it. To really, I can remember being in discussions that said, you know, I think I got bogged down in discussions with with friends and colleagues about um, well about this that it's simplistic I think or it's limited to think that we say well everybody is responsible for anything that they do but you know it might be that they had a terrible upbringing or it might be uh, if I I have I've told stories where uh, the denouement is where somebody who uh, was assaulted uh, at the end uh, forgives his assaulter by doing medica meditation and specifically loving kindness 
And uh, he came to the conclusion at the end that if I had had the background that that person had and he had had the background that I had, then I would have been the um, the 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 assault or the stick-up person and he would have been in my place. But it's not I would have been in his place. Um, that's true as well, I think. If I had a different background, I'd be a different person doing a different thing now. But on a grander measure than that, what I think I feel now is that everything is happening because of everything that ever happened. Not um, I am like me, but the world is like it. And I am not separate from the world. I was born into this world that's going on. And I am a teeny, teeny speck of a mayfly in the in the sphere of everything, but not separate from it. It's a part of the truth. There isn't any it. That's really what this means. It means that this whole creation is happening. And it manifests itself as mayflies and 12-year-olds and um, pirates and Politburo members and frogs and grass snakes, not separate from me, all of us. Looks like we're a separate being, like this is me and this is you and this is you and this is my story. But really, it's a. there's nobody in here. It's, I think it's a, it is, for me anyway, a profound realization that whatever, be, be behind the Big Bang or before the Big Bang, that we're all part and of each other unfolding in this whole amazing cosmos. It just comes in my mind to tell you that I... I got, a, I got a new book by Robert Sapolsky. It came in the mail two days ago. Robert Sapolsky wrote a book called um, Behave. I don't know, maybe eight or ten years ago. He's a marvelous um, anthropologist, biologist, and thinker at Stanford, whose books I always read include, his books are very, very densely footnoted, and they're the one, it's the only book I ever read where I read every footnote because it's so interesting and entertaining. And it's about this fact. I was I was going to have it here to show it to you because I did buy it right away in the mail, over the mail. And here it came. And I have read the first 10 pages in three days now because yeah, I read it and then I read the page again. It, I think it's brilliant. And we all think that we behave because we plan to behave. And the name of the book is Determined. And his point is, there isn't any me or you or this or that. Anyway, I certainly cannot um, tell you in a, in a sentence, but um, it's an extraordinary piece of work. And if you like to read that kind of, you go back and you read the page again, then I'm really so what did I, I it's 11.30 I'm going to tell you some of the things that I brought and if it hangs together it will hang together and if it doesn't it won't 
<laughs> maybe I maybe just because it's here in my pile. And because I just saw it there and laughed in the middle of this totally seriously. This is a cartoon out of um, oh I don't know that you'll be able to see it, but you'll, you'll kind of see the cartoon if I put it up here. It's the end of a yoga session, and the, what you see is uh, a some some practitioners lying on the floor in that relaxation pose that you're in at the end of a yoga session. And the teacher is saying to them, slowly begin to reawaken the body with thoughts of unread emails, piles of dirty laundry, and the kids you have to pick up in school. So, and I, I, some of my closest friends are yoga teachers, and I, I, I thought they would enjoy it, which they did. Uh, let me just see. I, I'm looking at myself, and I don't want to see myself. I want to see everybody. There you go. Slowly begin to reawaken the body with thoughts of unread emails, piles of dirty laundry, and kids you have to pick up from school. I think that the, the only thing I see, I, I see people smiling. That's good. I think that the only thing that I want to, we all have kids. We have to, one metaphorically, we have to pick up the pick up the dry cleaning or do this or do that, which we'll keep on doing, because on the on the day to day of things, that's it. We just do it, and life goes on. But to remember that the whole world. The, the Buddha was right. Life comes with pain and suffering for everybody. There's not only pain and suffering in Ukraine or in Israel or in Gaza or every place where people are not living, taking care of their neighbors and being at peace. But we could wish it was so. I was going to read you uh, from... Um, Susan Katz's new book, Share Your Love. Susan Katz comes to class frequently. Are you here, Susan? Or she was going to be here today. I think she said she needed to leave at 10.30. Oh, alas. She, that means she just left at oh, 11.30. She may have just left. Okay. I will read you this book a little bit. I know Susan. She lives in Marin County. This is called Share Your Love, and it's um, proud and humble to say it's dedicated. It says, to Sylvia Borstein at Spirit Rock, who taught me to sing my loving-kindness meditation. All right, I'll let you look at that. Okay. You have so much love in your one little heart. Send it out to the world. It's easy. Let's start. Show another picture. Let you you can send a kind thought to yourself and to others, like your parents, teachers, sisters, or brothers. No coins in a fountain or stars in the sky. First, wish yourself kindness. Let's give it a try. 
You are worthy of love. So just put on a smile to make yourself happy. Sing this once in a while. May I be protected and safe. May I feel happy and pleased. May my body be healthy. And may I live with ease. Take a breath in and out. And again, when it ends, who else can you wish well? Your family or friends? Think of your mom, dad, grandma, or pet. Pick one special being, anyone that you've met. May you be protected and safe. May you feel happy and pleased. May your body be healthy. And may you live with ease. Anyway, I was going to just read it for a few pages. May you, but I feel better as I'm reading it. So here we go. May you be protected and safe. May you feel happy and pleased. May your body be healthy and may you live with ease. There they are again. Sing for your sister, brother, uncle, or cousin. It might take a while if you have a dozen. And um, I, if you can see it well enough on the screen, that would be great. The illustrations are marvelous. There's an owl over there waving. I love that. What about your neighbor or art teacher at school? Sharing love is like magic. It's your invisible tool. May you be protected and safe. May you feel happy and pleased. May your body be healthy and may you live with ease. Now comes the hard part. But it's given, It's like giving a gift. Sing to someone you don't like. So your angry thoughts shift. May you be protected and safe. May you feel happy and pleased. May your body be healthy. And may you live with ease. <laughs> Seriously, I was going to read two pages of this. But I already feel better now that I'm reading it. So I'll read the whole thing. Now come back to yourself. Like a circle complete. Practice a white light around you. From your head to your feet. May I feel protected and safe. May I feel happy and pleased. May my body be healthy. And may I live with ease. You are worthy of love. So our people world round. Sing for all living creatures. Above and below ground. Send out your well wishes. No need to use words. Your mind can help heal snails, crickets, and birds. Oh, look at that porcupine. See the change that you make with a love that shines bright. Share, keep sharing your love from morning till night. And that might be When Susan says, 
How can we share our love without being in the same room to hug someone? Whether you're feeling worried or sad, grateful or mad, you can silently send good wishes out to your friends and family through your thoughts. You start by calming your mind and healing your heart. If you're confused or lonely, sing to the town of happy birthday to you. May I be protected and safe. May I feel happy and pleased. May my body be healthy and may I live with ease. You can help the world by hoping all that all beings are safe, happy, healthy, and calm. Sharing my love with loving kindness, metta meditation, has helped me through some very tough times. I even stretch my mind and heart to share love with difficult people in my life. I like to sing my well wishes because it makes it more pleasant to re repeat a song in my head. But you can just say it too. The important thing is we can send out positive thoughts to heal all beings over the world just by sitting still and sharing our love. Your mind is magical. Susan B. Katz. So there we are. Susan is here. Susan is here. There she Sorry. is. Take off the mask. Yes, yes hi. Oh, there you are. Thank Did you so much, Sylvia. Thank you so much. Oh, I, I was worried that you had left. Oh No, yeah, but thank you so much for sharing it with everyone. Oh, well, let's just be here for a minute. Uh, you want to tell what you do as your work these days with that? With that? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm a uh, children's book author. So I, um, this is something like 80th book, but it's a very important one um, because it's sharing the metta that you've taught over the years that I've studied with you. And I think children in this day and age feel even more powerless than we do. So they need some strategies to be able to uh, cope with what's going on in the world. And I thought this was one way to, to get that message to them. Did you actually say 80th book? Something like the 80-something, yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic was very good in that way because parents needed books at home yeah 80, 80 children's books mm -hmm. well anyway that is prodigious may you thrive thank and you thank you for, for teaching me the meditation thank you oh I, f I feel very very good why don't we see other people maybe we'll have some other people where let, let me go back and see everybody all right that that was a very I I thought Susan had left for the day so good I can see we can talk we I'll be back next week so we can pick up any pieces but I didn't leave any time for everybody to ask questions all along and so now is a good time and you know I I had thought well I don't know if I can manage the morning without starting to weep or cry or something but now I definitely can because I have all of you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.